Is everybody having a beautiful Labor Day weekend? Yeah, cool weather, good opportunity to get outside and exhale and breathe. So it's very interesting to me that we have this holiday to honor American workers and all the things that we've been able to accomplish by giving people time off from work. I mean, when I first, my whole life I've always thought it's counterintuitive. Shouldn't we all just voluntarily work overtime to honor Labor Day? And it's like, this is what it's about, right? But no, we take a day off. I had some time off last weekend, so I want to thank Reverend Sandra Butler for concluding our vibrant and victorious series of messages as she shared about the polarity between benevolence and greed. And if you missed Reverend Sandy's talk, please go to our website and click on archived videos, another masterful presentation of truth principles from the master herself. So thanks to Reverend Sandy. So here it is, Labor Day, and all around the nation, faith communities are talking about the value of work, the benefit of work, finding meaningful work, engaging in work, helping people get work. Hey, there's lots of jobs out there, by the way. And all the doing, 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 doing of our labors. And, and if we're not actively employed or looking for employment, maybe we're honoring the way in which we volunteer and share our time and our talents with the world as a way of contributing, contributing, because in our, whether we're getting paid for work or whether we're volunteering, we're still contributing. We're giving of ourselves, hopefully with the affirmation and the intention and the success of making the world a better place, or as we say in unity, creating a world that works for everyone. So let's get out there and do it. And all the rest of the year, especially on Sundays, we talk about just the opposite, the idea of Sabbath the idea of rest, the importance of balance, as Steve read in today's Daily Word, having balance so we don't get so zealous for doing, 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 we burn ourselves out. And so we encourage retreats and we encourage time of daily prayer and time of meditation and time to engage in recreation and having fun. And, and that's great. And that kind of highlights a very dualistic approach to the world. But one of the things I've become very much aware of that is a form of work that is actually not working and not very much fun, waiting waiting. Oh my gosh. 1981, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. The waiting is the hardest part. Every day you get one more card. You take it on faith. You take it to the heart. The waiting is the hardest part. Oh my gosh. We hate to wait, don't we? And it feels like work to wait, and yet you're waiting, and you're working, but you're not doing anything. You're just spinning your wheels and feeling frustrated, and we hate that, don't we? I mean, how many of us heralded the day we got our first microwave oven? Say, oh, thank God, the popcorn will be here much faster than the Jiffy Pop. You know, remember the Jiffy Pop? Or, or we, we like, want to reach out and get the newest, fastest phone because instant gratification isn't good enough anymore. We want double instant gratification. And we want to take the, the fast train to New York. We don't want to take the slow train. And we want to take the supersonic jet to Europe. We don't want to take the, the slow rickety old jet to Europe. And, and we just want to keep busy and move and go faster and faster and faster. 
But then something happens. I-66 happens. <laughs> so those of you watching at home who may not know what I-66 is, it is the greatest inducement to prayer in the Washington, D.C. metro. It's an interstate. Theoretically, it has a rush hour. That rush hour takes three hours. And even at that, things don't go too fast. So anyway, we don't like to wait. And apparently, humanity has never liked waiting. And even our scriptures get in on the deal. In fact, uh, uh, here's something we read in the Hebrew scriptures from the book of Isaiah. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Wonderful encouragement, waiting on the Lord. But what does that term actually mean? Charles Fillmore, co-founder of the Unity Movement, put it this way. He said, waiting on the Lord is when we listen to the voice of spirit, we are waiting on the Lord. The implication is that waiting is another form of meditation or engaging that wonderful spiritual faculty of understanding. And this is an inner experience of waiting, perhaps waiting for guidance in decision-making or discerning direction or trying to figure out what to do about a particular matter. We might also describe this waiting on the voice of spirit as attenuating ourselves to our faculty of intuition. By implication, when we hear or intuit the voice of spirit, then we can access all of our other qualities and attributes, our strength, our imagination. We can find our way and we can run or fly to the next thing when we wait on the Lord. There's another favorite passage of mine found in the Psalms in the Hebrew Scriptures that says this, I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. In this psalm, I believe that the psalmist is reminding those who were listening to it, because initially it would have been heard, and those of us who read it, to be strong and courageous in the face of an outer change in the outer world or a situation that impacts the collective. Something that happens in the land of the living. And that might be the recovery or the situation of dealing with a natural disaster, like a hurricane or an earthquake or a wildfire. All of these things we've been dealing with in our nation and in the world for, uh, that have been in the news very much recently. We hold that vision of healing in the land of the living. Or it could be a man-made disaster. Or, uh, hey, ladies, you're in on it too. A human-made disaster, <laughs> such as a war, a refugee crisis, a mortgage meltdown, or maybe a combination of the two, a pandemic. These words indicate to us this sacred 
promise from across the generations that our spiritual faculties of strength and love will ultimately demonstrate goodness in the land for the many. We wait for that time. We are patient for that time. Well, maybe we're not so patient for it, but we're wise to realize we can co-create it when we access our strength, when we access our faculty of faith and hold to the knowing that whatever horrible, awful thing has happened in the past in the land of the living, somehow we all got here. History is our evidence of our capacity and our power to move forward, to thrive, and to create and manifest the good that we desire to see while we wait. Even if we're waiting on I-66 or in line at the grocery store. We must not lose our faith friends. This is our work this Labor Day, this reminder, not just that we shall overcome someday, but that we are overcoming today, because today is where the power is. Today is where the work is. And sometimes that work means being still, holding a vision and maintaining our courage. Well, it's not just the Hebrew scriptures that are in on the waiting game. The Christian scriptures are in on it as well. And this comes from the pastoral letter of James. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of any kind, consider it nothing but joy. Where's the guy come from? Because you know, well, seriously, I always editorialize when I read. It's like, where are you getting this? Let me start over again. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of any kind, consider it nothing but joy, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its full effect, so that you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. Lacking in nothing. Relatedly, Charles Fillmore spoke of the metaphysical meaning of patience, describing it as an attitude of mind characterized by poise, inner calmness, and quiet endurance, especially in the face of trying conditions. Patience has its foundation in faith and is perfected only in those who have unwavering faith in God. Well, I don't know about you, but sometimes my faith has wavered. Am I the only one? I mean, well, maybe just you might know people. And that's okay. We acknowledge our humanity. We acknowledge that sometimes the issues that face us individually or collectively sure seem awfully huge, and there's a voice inside our heads that goes, Holy Toledo, Batman! How are we going to get through? And the responses we will get through as human beings have always got through. 
by accessing our inherent strengths, by reaching out to others. You know, there's this line we talk about, the fight or flight reflex. Anybody familiar with that? There's another side to that coin that doesn't get as much attention. And that's tend and befriend. Tend and befriend in the face of the challenge, personal or collective. Not fight or flight. When we join our hearts and our hands together with others, whether we need help of a personal matter or a collective matter, then our faith is strengthened because we know we are not alone. We have somebody else who will see in us, you can do this, and I will do this with you. And we will move forward, and in that connection... In that finding of friendship, in that tending to one another, joy is in fact awakened because community is built and we realize we are not alone and that we are overcoming today. It may not be the instant gratification we get from our Instapots, but it is gratifying nonetheless because it is enduring, because we know we have been seen, we know we have been heard, even if the idea of waiting is anathema to us in our instant gratification culture. So there are two practical tools I want to share with you for what you can do and what I can do, because I'm always, just to let you know, and every time I'm giving a message, I'm preaching to the guy in the mirror as well. I need to hear these things. As Lenny said in his wonderful comments today, we all need that reminder to look within, which is one of the reasons why we come together in sacred and intentional community to hold the high watch with one another and support one another and knowing what we know is true, even if our faith wavers and even if we forget sometimes. So Buddhist tradition brings two wonderful tools to us. And the first one is what do we do when we find ourselves in those situations like we're on I-66 or at the post office? Please leave your guns in the car. Just kidding. That's not even funny. What to do when we find ourselves in that place where we start feeling our blood pressure start to boil? So before reaching for your phone for a distraction or turning on the radio, how about this? How about say, wait a minute, maybe the universe has given me a pause so I might practice mindfulness. Take a deep breath in. Let it go. And just notice as you're sitting there in the car or in line. What am I feeling? Where am I holding tension in my body? What are my thoughts? Another deep and gentle breath. What's really happening here? What's going on? And simply observe ourselves. To take that moment to restore ourselves to calm and unhook ourselves from the situation that has got us hooked or pushed our button. It's kind of a way of hitting the reset. 
and just be present to what is. You know, Anthony, my husband, drove to North Carolina yesterday, and it normally is a five and a half hour drive. It only took a little over seven yesterday, holiday weekend. And I asked him, I said, how'd you do it? He likes to just get in the car and get there. He said, I just breathed. I just realized the holiday weekend, hurrying and getting upset is not going to change anything. Cursing at other drivers won't make them feel better, won't make me feel better. It'll just add more negativity. Just give thanks I have a car. Give thanks the weather's lovely. Give thanks I have my needs met. Just be aware of where I'm holding tension and affirm peace for that. See, these are things we can do, and yet so often as human beings, I'm a human being, button gets pushed and we're off to the races. But what a wonderful reminder to practice those spiritual principles that allow us to feel calm and at peace. And if the waiting is somewhat longer, like a life issue is on the table, Buddhist Amaya Price puts a new spin on it by addressing it as liminal space, and how we handle that liminal in-between space is very important. She says the ego or the mind is very uncomfortable with waiting. I think we've already established that. And this is a part of us that screams, do something! Something is better than nothing! And because we tend to be an ego-driven society, we'll always find plenty of external voices that will support us in doing something, anything, just make the waiting go away. Because here's something we know about human psychology. The mind hates uncertainty and would rather make a mistake than live in a period of not knowing. And that's that liminal state. It's a place of pure potential, though, when we don't know exactly what's happening. We can go any direction when we don't have a specific plan. And unfortunately, there are no bright lights saying this way, this way, this way. Sometimes we just have to be in that liminal space of not knowing, waiting for guidance. So if we can slow down instead, the landscape gradually becomes clearer, she says the way it does when your eyes will adapt to a darkened room. And we start to use all of our senses. When um, the ego wants a brightly lit superhighway to the future, but real life, as you know, is more of a maze, maybe a labyrinth, we might say around here. We take one or two steps in certain directions, and then we come to another turning point, and making our way forward requires a different set of skills, and... Waiting is one of them, waiting to know how all this is going to unfold, kind of like a labyrinth. There's a proper timing, kind of like a, a labyrinth and a pandemic. There's a proper timing to all things. And often it's not the timing we want, because what timing do we want? Now! <laughs> or even yesterday. And there's certain things that happen on a subconscious level in ourselves and in others that prepare us for the next step. And we can't always see that. But oddly, when the time to act comes and the way is made clear, there's almost a sense of inevitability about it. It's like, ah, this is what everything was moving towards. So we need to ignore the voice in our head that says we need to do something right now. We're encouraged not to rush through life, even though we live in a multitasking, sort of hurry-up, get-her-done kind of world. 
Linger in the liminal state. Just be in the waiting. Be in the question and see what happens. And she makes this really powerful statement. Learn to trust your gut more than your head. And this is an advantage of having been in a pandemic. All of us have bigger guts now. So there's just more to trust, right? So am I, I'm probably not the only one. So have faith that the right course will unfold at the perfect time, because it will. And then when the course does unfold, just do it. As simply as the birds take flight. This too is our spiritual work. So I just want to close with a final thought. Wherever you are in your life, whether physically or metaphorically, wherever you are, waiting will be a part of your experience. So rather than cursing it, use it as a part of your spiritual gift. Don't squander this liminal time. Because as we read in Ecclesiastes 3, for everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. And now it's time for me to close these remarks by saying, peace be with you and namaste.